0: Hola, que tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academics and Amigos. I'm your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. This week I speak with one of my old friends, Gary DeLeon, who's studying to be a doctor at Burrell University. And um, just a quick prologue, this episode was recorded in August, so some of the references might reflect that. With that being said, hope you enjoy the episode what is up everyone welcome to another episode of academics and amigos i am your host anthony ramirez i am here for the first episode of season three and uh today i have my first in-person guest oh yeah yeah so you just heard his voice that is gary de leon he's a fourth year medical student at burrell uh college of osteopathic medicine uh he's uh going to be starting up his residency next year in family med when that's super exciting especially oh, yeah. um, you know um, what, what we'll be talking about a little bit later today because we both grew up in the same neighborhood and um, we both went to med- middle, uh, middle school together at Henderson right. in El Paso. So uh, it's really cool just to see the growth that both of us <laughs> have taken uh, in, in, in the,
1: time, the time we have. You know what I mean? Um, so how are you doing, Gary? I'm doing good, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. This is exciting. For those of y'all that don't know, this is my buddy since we were younger Yeah, and uh, I've been, can I tell them our backstory? Go, go for it, go for it, go okay, for it. Okay, so this is kind of cool. Um, during your fourth year of medical school, you go and do these sub-internships for programs to see if you like them and see if they like you. It's kind of like dating and hopefully you don't mess it up and if it's a program you really like, hopefully uh, th- they fall in love. So that's the idea and I had a sub-internship out here in College Station with Texas A&M's Family Medicine Program, which has been wonderful, I'm in the last week, uh, so it's been four weeks of a lot of hard work, a lot of learning, and, and meeting some amazing, successful people. But on my way getting out here, I, I only knew one person in college station. That was you, so so I actually got out here and I wrote to him because I was like, well, I don't know where I'm going to stay, and uh, I saw some Airbnbs, but. Um, i was like if i know someone that's around the area so i asked him do you know anyone that has an extra room and he's been wonderful to have me here we've had some awesome late night convos had some way too much out to eat but it's been (laughs) full of memories and silly talks and just making new friends all over the place he's introduced me to his co-workers so i want to thank you you're a beautiful man you're a wonderful man and i know they don't see us but have my hands together just saying thank you and it's been a really good uh Last three and a half weeks, and we only got a few more days together. Yeah, we got a few uh, more days. And then I'm going to run away to College Station every now and then to visit you. So (laughs) that's how that goes. So hopefully one more year. Hopefully one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, but no, it's
0: been it's been a blast having you here, um, staying with me for for this month. We like Gary mentioned. We've been going out to <laughs> eat a lot. He's <laughs> met a couple of my friends, and um, both of us are being safe with with COVID and everything. Even though we are going out to eat and stuff like that, oh, yeah. um, we've been safe and, and uh, taking care of ourselves, vaccinated, all that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm which is another topic we will be going over a little bit Definitely, later as yeah. well. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been fun. We've been having a lot of good uh, conversations, like you mentioned. And hopefully this is going to be another good conversation that we have here. Oh, um, for sure. So, um, I would, like I have no idea what osteopathic medicine is. So can you uh, enlighten us and let us like, uh, yeah. inform the audience, like, oh, what oh, is osteopathic medicine? For
1: sure. So, um, osteopathic medicine – uh, a well, first couple things is maybe you've gone to the doctor and you're not paying attention to the little letters that are next to it. Cause now there's so many letters. There's PA for physician assistant um, NP for nurse practitioner. And there's CRNA for certified uh, nurse anesthetist. And, and there's a whole bunch of letters, but every now and then when you see next to a physician's name, you'll see MD or DO and they're two different tracks. So medical doctorate or doctor of osteopathic medicine, the big overarching picture that I wish like, was advertising that people understood is that they're essentially completely equivalents to practice any form of medicine that you want to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, our last dean of our medical school was a cardiovascular surgeon. Um, I know some DOs that I worked with this year that are orthopedic surgeons, another one that was an orthopedic hand surgeon. Um, there's people that work within the surgical world, uh, family medicine, internal medicine, all the big things you think about with medicine, DOs are there too. In the old days, the idea was um, it, it, it was very few DOs compared to MDs, and it took a while to get to where we are now, where basically 25% of your graduating students are now becoming DOs. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I'm trying to say that because we, we're a minority, but we're still a very, very large minority. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, over here at Texas A&M, I believe, I don't, I don't want to mess up the numbers, but in their class, at least in the intern class, there's 10 interns each year, so their a family med program, about 30 altogether because it's three years long. Uh, and I think they probably are about 40% DOs. I think their intern class may have been 50% this year. Oh, wow. So what is, it, what is an osteopathic doctor? Mm-hmm. The way it started off is it was kind of, uh, there was a, a guy, his name was A.T. Still. And he was a doctor that essentially came up with some ideas and said, you know what? We can manipulate the body. And there's a lot of ways to heal the body uh, without having to use a whole bunch of medicines. hmm So he learned that actually your body's full of a lot more reflexes that have to do with parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. So for easy ideas, and if people who don't know, uh, they're listening to this, it's the idea of the fight or flight system. Okay. Right? You see a tiger and you run and you start sweating and getting really nervous. Or on the other edge of it, uh, you crap your pants. So those are the two extremes in your sleeping, right? So those are the two extremes of the system. The idea behind it is a lot of the ways that we work off infection the ways that our body goes into all these stress responses has a lot to do with those systems. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they can become unbalanced and you can actually treat them to help out. There's tons of studies on it uh, that have been produced in major medical journals. For example, uh, if we're talking about little kids that have um, otitis media, which is just an ear infection, ear infections happen a lot because of the development of, uh, and I know I'm, I'm rambling here, but I'm having it's, fun. It's totally cool. And just interrupt and ask a question whenever you want. But like little kids, their, their eustachian tubes are, are basically flat it's the same like Mm -hmm. like uh they're they're horizontal and when we get older our face elongates and and that's why we don't get ear infections our eustachian tube is angled like uh, more more downwards towards the floor like stairs like so there's simple massages that you do um, that actually can help to move those mucusy products so it doesn't stay at that flat line level and kids get less ear infections and it doesn't mean that that MDs don't uh, do that. It's just they might not know the tricks. Mm-hmm. But we end up taking about in the first two years of med school, we take 200 extra hours of osteopathic manipulative medicine. Yeah. There's other things it treats as far as lymphatic movement. Um, of course, there's a lot of muscle tone and different mm-hmm. things like that. We do learn some amazing muscle treatments, um, neck issues, muscle strains, um, even like as simple as muscle cramps. Of course, we can treat that. But even within your body with the intestines that we don't feel like we could manipulate, there's a lot of. Maneuvers that osteopathic manipulative medicine brings to practice, and in fact, we even did it with each other today when we were in training with the with uh, collaborations. So basically, we are MDS with an extra two hundred hours of training in osteopathic manipulative medicine.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Like yeah. really it is yeah. like.
0: Um, and is this more a uh, more modern form of um, uh, a, pro- a more modern approach, or is it like an older approach? So.
1: God, I wish I had my years down. Uh, my my OMM teachers, my school would probably smack me in the face. <laughs> but I think true. I think At Still was in the early eighteen hundreds oh, okay. with his ideas. The first DO school was At Still um, Osteopathic Medical School, which I think is with St. Louis. But there's a few places. They even have a dental school. It's At oh, wow. Still Dental School. Um, but basically, it started off kind of as as a separate medicine, and then it merged on, and and now basically we're cleared to practice throughout many different countries and through all 50 States, our license are equivalent. We take, uh, um, we can take the exact same board exams as MDs. And many of us do, um, and uh our we also have our own sets of board exams just because we have that manipulative medicine but i'm a really big big fan of manipulative medicine i use it on my parents i use it on my friends i'm surprised i didn't talk to you about it i should have done it while i was here for this time i'm just i (laughs) I feel horrible um i think i've been working so much with the internship that i come home tired yeah uh, yeah you you uh, come home You do. but i got you man i can do (laughs) some cool back cracking and different stuff uh so if you want that i can do that but um yeah i really like the I DO could, approach. i could have used that earlier in the summer <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um, uh, we won't go into details why but he knows he knows yeah it's, it it's, it's one of our conversations that we had um but you know
1: it's uh, a, but it's a really yeah. neat practice that's true that's funny um but uh with with it i think it's a really cool way of practice and mm-hmm. if you guys notice the letters a little bit later on next to your doctor's name it may be DO. um which is really neat. They, they, we sometimes have a different approach to a whole body. Mm -hmm. Medicine is kind of picked up in speed with treatment and what has to get done. So sometimes sadly, some of those practices go out, um, but they're still neat and they're still useful. And I like them a lot. That's super cool. Yeah.
0: Um, so with all this being said, like I'm interested in, in hearing about how you became interested in pursuing a a career as a doctor Mm -hmm. or within medicine.
1: So can you tell me about that? Oh Yeah. My my road was not a straight one, you know. I don't think mine, you are very similar. We talked about that. This I think that's kind of been a a metaphor, or like a motif. I'm not good at English words. But well, it was an overarching characteristic of our lives getting to this mm-hmm. level. And um, one of the things was it took a while to get here. I didn't start med school until I was 28. So for my friends and anyone listening to this that are like, man, I should go... Become this big dream. Hopefully, with this podcast, you get inspired to just do anything you want to do. I did it really late in life. I was a high school teacher and a football coach for years, and um, I enjoyed it. I won teacher of the year. I got voted for big things like that. But my heart was always set on medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up with a family, like many Latino families, I think yourself included, that had their grandparent at home. Yeah, right. You had grandpa You had your grandpa. Then mm-hmm. I had my grandpa at home. So. Um, Sadly, with part of our culture as well as is, is healthcare-related issues. And my grandfather was diabetic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, at a very young age, I went with him to a doctor. And one doctor, in fact, he's still my my doctor to this day and my family's doctor. I'll say his name, Dr. Enriquez. He's amazing yeah. um, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, he talked to us about taking care of my grandfather's blood sugars and insulin. Right. And he put it into something super interesting. And he kind of compared it to... You know the idea is you have all this sugar outside the cells and it doesn't go into your cells so you feel starved mm-hmm. and that's why uh, they get this tired look and there's these different things that happen you can have all the food in your system it just doesn't go into your cells mm-hmm. and he explained that to us and he took out a pen and he drew on an exam table uh, the paper not on the table but you know on the white paper and he drew out little little uh, little houses and then he said we need to give your grandpa the keys and he was saying that the key was insulin so he went over some number things and I think when I think of family medicine is also what drew me towards it, but just towards medicine in general, the, the idea of him saying like all these comparisons in the metaphor was eventually to get kids to understand we should take care of my grandfather's sugar and help out with the insulin as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And at that young age, it was fun. It got me like super excited about science. Cause I was like, Whoa, like I knew something that all my friends didn't know about. Like we all knew about cells and we knew that there was plant cells and animal cells and, and, uh, We learned about the history and different things. But whenever you're the kid that knew extra, it felt really fun. Yeah. So I kind of had this dream of chasing it and always doing it. And uh, I wanted to go into medicine for such a long time. And I think the area where we're from, and I think we're talking about this later, but sometimes we don't have that exposure of how to get to those those levels. I was a straight A student. I did really good in school, but I didn't know how to apply to medical school. Right. which, Which kept me kind of out forever for a good amount of time and i don't i don't regret it Mm -hmm. i was a teacher and i helped motivate some kids i have a student that's essentially almost done with dental school (laughs) at the same time where i'm in medical school so i'm like hey i'm not saying i inspired them but i showed them chemistry a little bit Mm -hmm. when i taught but yeah um at the end of the day teaching was amazing i had great students and i still check in with them and uh i have some amazing stories with that but that dream never left Mm -hmm. and uh When I finally had a chance, I went from being a varsity football coach at a great program with amazing great friends that I still text to this day that are football coaches. Um, It was really, really hard to leave, but I said, you know what, I'm going to try and go to medical school. Mm -hmm. So at 28 years old, I left making good money as a Texas high school varsity football coach and science teacher. And I said, okay, I'm going from this paycheck to absolutely nothing, and I'm going to medical school. And I did it. And it's been a great experience. I've made friends in the opposite side of the spectrum as far as like what I thought was more sports and, and, and that type of lifestyle to like some of the smartest people I've ever met and most amazing professors, and I don't regret it a single bit. Do I miss my days of teaching? Yeah. Do I miss my uh, my uh, football players? Of course. I still go to high school football games, and but um, it's been a dream come true, and I've got to do some amazing things. and it, it, I wouldn't have probably, sadly, this is a bad part of, of Facebook and face fake friendships, but I probably wouldn't have seen you if it wasn't for the sub-eye. And I would tell you, I've had a blast with you, and I consider you one of my best friends now, man. So oh, I appreciate. I've really, really enjoyed this. So medicine's been awesome. I, I feel completely blessed by it.
0: Because even when we were younger, like yeah. co- like talking about our friendship too, like we we would hang out and we would talk yeah. and stuff, but we were we were never like uh, the type of students <laughs> or friends that would hang out like outside of the yeah. school. Yeah. But um, this is, like, the first time that you and I have really, like, bonded and really gotten to know each other really well. And, yeah, like, we've gotten really close. And I I consider you one of my closest and best friends, too. Thanks, man. And um, I I remember – and we've been having conversations, too, about our families and and things like that along the way. And and, and our trajectory because both of us – what I found so interesting about what you just mentioned, too, um, and to kind of connect it to our next question is – how your grandfather had a big influence on what oh, you yeah. later are now doing in life and it's it's ironic because i feel like my grandpa had a huge influence on oh, what yeah. i'm doing today because both my grandfather and my mom taught me the value of it in education oh, yeah. and they were educators and All that, and I (laughs) never in my life—I've mentioned it so many times throughout this podcast that Mm -hmm. I never expected to ever go (laughs) into the education route.
1: Yeah, man, you're gonna be a PhD. Uh, You're a bad dude. Uh,
0: (laughs) 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 It's getting there. It's getting there. Um, but. But, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate that. Um, But, uh, you know, I never thought I was going to do that. And all of a sudden I'm going for a master's. Now I'm going for this PhD working on a dissertation. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know. But I look back and I reflect and I think. Of my grandpa you know yeah. and i think about him and the types of impact that he had on so many people as an educator oh, yeah. and the type of mentor he was for so many and i reflect on that and i think oh my gosh like i want to be so much like my grandfather oh, like my i grandpa. really do and like hearing your story about how you how your grandfather's um uh diabetic um situation kind of influenced you to want to pursue this it was just like it kind of hit home for me too because i was just like you know and and, you know my grandfather didn't have diabetes but um his his connection to education led me to you know eventually want to pursue this you know too um even though i always tell people i wanted to be an animator but you know (laughs) life takes a different way you know and it's interesting too that that um you started one way and then you know i also started one way and then our trajectory totally oh, yeah. took a different route but i think what's cool about your trajectory is that you had that dream in mind all along oh. you know you had that dream all along and you you know you kept
1: pushing for it and pushing for it and i just think that's amazing that's all that's super inspiring dude oh, thanks man. and and the and it is true like our you know our family's influence so much in our life and the more and more i'm in medicine the more i learn it mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to even just illnesses and, I mean, obesity, diabetes, different things like that. Our our, our families show us that. But they really do. And my grandfather has some of my best memories from sports and athletics because he was a boxer and a welder and very tough man, even even in his disease process was very tough. And I have favorite memories from that and then I have the worst memories of what diabetes can do to people. And I think that was also part of my motivation. Like, I wanted Mm. to be able to be part of that. But yeah, uh, the stories you told me about your grandfather and it, it sounds... It sounds very similar to mine. And uh, it, they've, it, they've been huge, huge blessings, which I'm completely yeah, thankful for. Absolutely. And uh, just to bounce back to that idea of the motivation, I think one of my things with being a teacher and then now that I'm in medical school and I've done a lot of projects on it is just to finding those routes to finding students and not just students that are motivated, any students at all. But I try to make sure that if they have questions about how to follow this route, they don't have to wait till they were 28 like I did. Because I really didn't know. And I had an amazing upbringing. My dad was a teacher. He was a football coach for years. Um, My mom got all the way through college and uh, decided to fall in love and get married. So I had the best tutors at home at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was a stay-at-home mom. She had businesses and did things. But we had a nice upbringing, and then my grandpa was there. And... um, but I didn't know, I had nobody in my family that was doctors. And it's mm-hmm. funny because even being out here at Texas A&M, a lot of people are saying, oh, my dad's a doctor. And this person, my aunt is a doctor. And I'm um, like, I never had one. Yeah. The the closest relationship I had, and even my uh, letter of recommendation for medical school is Dr. Enriquez. Mm-hmm. And he would take time to... Uh, uh, to go over things he would tell me about everything he'd tell me about his career his medical school and i just always got excited it was funny because people used to hate going to the doctor mm-hmm. right kids hate it you get shots <laughs> yeah. and the guy comes in in a big white coat and he's scary and he has a deep voice and their hands are cold and they they smell like alcohol and you don't want to deal with it <laughs> but i loved it i was always excited to go back and learn something And i feel like i probably talked to him so much that he probably had to run out of the room and be late with the next patient but i think part of what my kind of part of the mission i've done in medical school is to say let me find students that are interested in these routes and I talk to them about what the process is and I'd be very real about what they need to do because and I've done this at my I've talked to my dad's school I've talked to my sister's school which is very much Latino probably a lot similar to what I grew up in with a lot of families at work but probably not at the doctorate level and I try to talk to them about your grades are amazing, and these are actually the things you're going to want to do if you're really interested. Because there's so many smart kids that do say, I want to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing about colleges is the support is not there. Uh, and to be able to give people the facilitation to say, this is what you really have to do. Mm-hmm. And I made great grades in college, and I just didn't know the right avenues. Like, oh, hey, you should take the MCAT during this year so you right. get in when right. you're younger. And you actually have to sit down and study for it. It's not like the ACT or SAT. Oh, yeah. If you're smart, the ACT and SAT go decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, If you study for it, you do a lot better, but it's not a regular test. You have to actually sit down and study. And then how do you get your letters of regs? How do you put together a personal statement? So I've done a lot of talks about that. And I've hosted um, a HOSA, which is, I think it's like a healthcare thing for high schoolers. I've talked to them several times. I brought other medical students in and that's just kind of my goal too. So I'm trying to leave a trail and it's not even about just uh, uh, Latinos becoming doctors. It's about anyone that wants to do it. That's a younger age that might not have the access and I pray and hope that even as I become a doctor, I still have time to do that. I
0: think that's awesome. Like yeah. I, I love how you're intersecting both of the careers that you've had oh, yeah. and are, um, you know, intersecting them into ways that help the community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's something that's big for me too. I want to help the community and help students. And I think that's one of the cool parts about um, education and the fact that you're sharing this knowledge with others too. And that's fantastic. Um, On that subject, let's let's talk about when we were kids a little bit more. (laughs) Um, You know, we both grew up in the same neighborhood, like we mentioned throughout this conversation that we've already had. Um, And when you look back to where you came from and where we grew up, um, what does it mean to you getting this type of education and, and wanting to become a doctor? I think you kind of hit on it a
1: bit yeah. both with helping students and stuff like that. But I mean, tell yeah. them more. no, that, that's that's true. And let me just say from your comment earlier, it's not that I didn't want to hang out. My parents kept me home a lot when I was little. And you were on the other side of, of the of the Delta. Yeah, oh yeah, you're oh, yeah, far yeah, away. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, but I, I didn't really hang out with everybody. But um okay so how how did i feel i'm sorry i want to say that because there's gonna be like this guy's a jerk no no, no 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 okay no, but um like that, so how do i feel like doing doing this and being from the area we're from it's it's awesome i think there's i think we talked about this before and this is hard because mm-hmm. you never want to go back and, and uh and be not humble mm-hmm. my background on my phone is work hard uh, what is it? it it says uh stay humble hustle hard yeah. and and, and uh, no matter where i go sometimes i don't even like to mention i'm in medical school it's kind of a weird feeling sometimes um i know doctors that don't tell people they're doctors they just say they work for the hospital Mm -hmm. you want to be humble about it a lot of people get different ideas i mean and and, uh and you just want to be a regular human and uh but with that being said i'm I'm proud of it my parents worked really hard to get me here Mm -hmm. uh there was a lot of people that are behind it and i think you know there's that old saying. I don't know the whole thing, but it's basically like it takes a village, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it completely took that to get me into medical school. To even put the down payment to get me into medical school took like three different people because it was so much money. Um, but when I look back at it, I'm just very, I'm very humble about it. It's, it's a lot of work. Uh, I think you've seen the hours I work when I'm here, yeah. and uh, and when people say, "Oh, it's in a lot of hours," I don't try to talk about it usually. I'm just like, "Yeah, we work hard," yeah. but it's the most important thing in, in people's lives. It's their health. Uh, it's the one thing that no matter how much money or anything you have, you, it's, it's your most valuable treasure. I feel like, but I'm, I'm proud of it. I've seen other people that have had some success stories, but we don't come from the area where everyone mm-hmm. goes to college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think out of my best friends, they, they did, a, uh, out of, from where we're from that I grew up with, I think, uh, I think one has a college degree. Another one has associates, and he's doing amazing. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it feels good, but it also, we talked about this earlier before, during the week, it feels like there's a weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And there's a lot of stress with that, and I've seen yeah. that, and I've I've heard that with some of my African-American friends that are in medical school, and Latinos say it too, like, man, there's a lot of pressure, because I can't fail out of this. Mm-hmm. And people do fail out of medical school. They They do, and sadly, they stay in debt from it, and you just feel like you have to work hard. But the other side of that, there's a development and uh, I'm sure people are listening to this. have heard this, but you get a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like, did I get here? Because did I get here? Am I good enough to be alongside all these amazing people? Um, and am I actually worth it? Like, you know, like, do I really stand up to par with the rest mm-hmm. of the system? And the truth is you do, and you don't feel like it, especially in stressful situations. Yeah. yeah. When they're every day that you get asked questions in front of your attending doctors or the residents that are ahead of you, and you're like, man, I don't know it. I'm not good enough. And, and uh, everything kind of hurts. So the, the, <laughs> the truth <laughs> is that you, you, you do belong there and people need to understand that they do belong there and that, um, yeah it's not an easy process be humble about it and you got to work hard i don't know it's a tough question to answer it goes very deep into some emotions i feel like yeah and it feels like sometimes um you wonder like do was i here because of i'm latino and Mm -hmm. you hear kind of people talk behind the edges and say like the uh, minority card the minority card man i hate that and you work harder because you never wanted to feel that Mm way um and you just work yourself to extremes. I've seen, and I'm not saying medical students work hard. It's type A personalities. They're going to work hard. Um, but, yeah, you do see a lot of, I feel like, some people's at my school that will stay the hours that are not healthy for sleep. And we gain weight or we lose a ton of weight because what we're putting ourselves through because we feel like we don't fit in. And um, there's a lot of counseling that goes into that, that people mm-hmm. talk to you about to try and make you feel like you do belong. So it's it's tough. I'm very, very proud, but you do feel like you have a weight on your shoulders to make your family and your friends happy. And you also feel like, well, I hope I belong. Mm -hmm. And I I have to convince myself and tell myself, okay, you're doing good. The board scores show that you've done well. And keep on trucking along. You're right along where you need to be with everybody else. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. But overall, with the even average out, you're doing a good job. Yeah, I, I feel. I don't like know if you so feel many, that as well.
0: No, oh, no, no. I was yeah. about to say like I literally feel like that on so many levels. Like the imposter syndrome. I've talked mm-hmm. a lot about. Um, you know, I I feel that a lot of times. Um, uh, even at this point right now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm. I guess that. The, I guess. I can see the light of the tunnel. Like yeah. I, 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 I can too. That.
1: And I still feel it to this day. Yeah, and some and of those senses of imposter syndrome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing that, that hits me too is that with the work that I do, always, always, I've, I've told people too that, that because I'm studying comic books and popular culture and things like that,
1: that I always feel that people don't take that seriously. You know what I mean? I think that's the most, and, and I'll say this, I, I feel like there's so many things that are so important, just being in healthcare. hmm because portrayal and feelings go a lot into someone's psyche and health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's proven studies that show if your psyche is better, you're actually healthier. Mm-hmm. Your body functions better. You have less amounts of cortisol. So you're literally, your blood sugar is lower.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, the way we're portrayed within comic books, movies, media is very, very influential on in how you grow up. And I, that's why I also get motivated to go back to these schools, to go back to these areas and be like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. And, and that's that's the motivation and still try to be humble about it. But, Tom, hey, let's move our butts. Let's be the next yeah. ones, too. You know. And, and another thing that you mentioned, too, that I, I totally relate with and
0: it's a conversation we had um, separately <laughs> um, is uh, the village, the t- having oh, a man, village yeah. with you. Yeah. Like that's that's something that I always carry with me, too, is mm-hmm. like, um, I, it's I, I don't know if it's our upbringing. I don't know if it's where we're from or what, but it's super important. Like, to me, that's super important that we we remember all those who have helped us along this way. Oh, because, yeah. you know, I, yesterday I, I posted up a picture about... Um, so, spoilers, this is pre-recorded. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, I posted up a picture that I'm, I'm getting this famous ring here
1: at Texas A&M called the Aggie Ring. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I... I'm super sad. If I get residency here, I cannot get it. I found out. It's a beautiful ring. So, congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate I'm that. I'm very happy for you. Um, uh, yeah. But you posted the picture, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I posted up this picture, and I, I explained the reason why I wanted to get this ring. And again, it was because of my, grandparents, uh, my yeah. grandparents and my mom, and they taught me the value of education and all that. But I was also thinking about it, and all these people commenting, saying congratulations and liking and hearts and all this other stuff. And some of them were students of mine, some of them were yeah. former well, teachers of mine, just friends of mine, uh, acquaintances that I met along the way. But each and every one of those individuals that thanked me, congratulated me, put likes, hearts, those little care, hug symbols oh, or yeah. whatever. Each and every one of them have had a part to play in oh, yeah. the book of Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, what yeah. I mean? That sounds like a biblical thing. <laughs> the book of Anthony. We shall worship. <laughs> no, 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 no. No worshiping, please. Imposter syndrome.
1: <laughs> Am I a god? Should no. I belong here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but yeah each person has had a part to play within my life you know and and I know this is a conversation that we had too yeah. that each person that that has has whether it's a positive or negative experience that they've had an impact and those experiences have helped us Grow as individuals in order to become who we are today oh, yeah. and that that helps us and reminds us to stay humble, too, you know, mm-hmm. because we got to you got to remember that we're not in this alone either. You know, even though like I don't know if med schools like this, um, but a Ph.D. program is lonely. <laughs> it can be very yeah, lonely. It can be. Yeah. And so reflecting on all of that, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's powerful because, one, it, it reminds you that you're not alone and all the people that you're doing this for and and not just yourself. Because, yeah, you, at the end of the day, you might be Dr. Gary De Leon or Dr. Anthony Ramirez or Dr. fill-in-the-blank, right? Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's, it's Dr. everyone else who helped yeah, in this is. process, you know? It really is. And so th- those are things I keep in mind, too, and that makes me, like— Reflect and think like be thankful and grateful oh, yeah. and 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 keep um, You know and stay humble too about it, you know I, I might like joke around sarcastically about like oh this and this, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But in reality, it's like man. I'm super grateful for everybody in my life. Oh, yeah, you know um. So with that being like speaking on like <laughs> About all oh, people in our lives and stuff too um, And and on the subject matter who are some people
1: that inspire you? Oh, man, I have, I have so many, my, my dad has this just great attitude about everything. And, uh, he, he's really big and believing in me and, and has just been a huge support, uh, when, when monetary issues came up, he's, he's the flagship of the family and has been, he's a teacher. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like we're floating in cash, but he's always been able to help and willing to help. And my mom too has been amazing and supporting the dream. So the family is just, it's just huge. Um, my mom is always like, you can do it. You can do it when I'm tired. And when you're angry and you don't want to study, but you know you have to. She's like, well, come on, mom, let's get up. And uh, what's crazy is I had not lived with them since I was uh, 18. Mm-hmm. I mean, i would come back for summers and college summers and different things. But basically, after I graduated, I became a teacher and um, did different things in between. And I was never home. And just so fortunately, during third year of medical school, um our we have one hub out, we're in Las Cruces which for people who are listening to us it's right next to El Paso it's a sister city about mm-hmm. 45 minutes away and we have I think we have six hubs we might have seven now they're all over the place uh Tucson of course Las Cruces Albuquerque um we have smaller ones in rural New Mexico we have El Paso and then we have one in Florida um I should have chose Florida. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> the But they, they are right outside. Exactly. They're right outside of Orlando and they oh, are wow. at a beach. Literally, the hospital, I think, is literally looking at at the ocean. But um, so I got El Paso, which was amazing. And I lived with my parents this year. And I'll tell you what. I don't think I've bought groceries, which is horrible. <laughs> I've eaten like a king and I've been so spoiled. I don't know how I'm going to do it when I get to residency to be like, I have to make an egg? Like, what is that? <laughs> so they, they're just a huge support in, in every regard. My sister's amazing. I, I, I could talk about everybody. There's two people I would thank in particular. I, one of my best friends, Anthony Otto. Another Anthony. I guess I'm blessed with Anthony's. Uh, he was with me in Teach for America, mm-hmm. and we were roommates. Yeah. yeah. And um, a couple of years later, I was his best man. But right after Teach for America, he went into medical school, and he's an attending um, pediatric physician now. So he's a pediatrician. And he never gave up on me. He was like, come on, man. You can do it. You can apply. And uh, he's done helped me with personal statements and, and just always been there for me with questions and support and those days where you don't feel like you belong. And we talk about that imposter syndrome and different things. He's always been a shoulder lean on no matter how busy a schedule and the, the guys, one of the most busiest people I know. Um, I mean, he rounds at the hospital in the morning goes to work and then rounds at night. And, uh, it's just a really hard worker and a great man. So, uh, he's huge in the process of just life in general and medical school. He's big. Um, the other one is, there, there's a doctor, I'd actually, I didn't mention this yet, I guess, but I did a post back because I always wanted to go to medical school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I did a post back in Philadelphia,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when I was out there, it was also a program for minority students, and um, so yeah, I took the first year of medical school, essentially, almost all the classes that first year medical students take, uh, and uh, hoping that it would boost up my resume again to medical school, which eventually it did, mm-hmm. and I got in. Um, but there was a teacher there, her name's Dr. Manu Purvis, and Dr. MP, that's what everybody calls her. She's uh, an amazing anatomist. Um, she can paint the human body with her eyes closed. I don't even wow. think she has to look at her PowerPoints. She'll just be like, well, you know, when we talk about directionality of this and this, and, and, and everything she paints is just perfect. Her questions are some of the hardest medical questions I've ever had. But I did really well with her. And after doing that post back, I worked with her as a gross anatomy TA for pathologist assistance. So we we're teaching people are going to help uh, pathologists really figure out how do people die? What is the things that actually cause their death? And we taught them how to dissect. And a, a few years after being at um, Drexel, I was teaching and I was like, man, do I really belong in medical school? Like, am I going to get back over there? I had asked her. Uh, for a letter of rec for pharmacy school because mm. I knew I could I thought the the pharmacy test was a little bit easier than the MCAT and she was very influential and in what she said was well do you love drugs? and I was like well n- no not really and she's like Carrie you're very talkative <laughs> 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 and I'm sure the people in the, the, the podcast listening to this can figure that out very fast she goes I don't think you'll be happy um Doing what a pharmacist does, it can it's you have to be very intelligent for it, but there's a lot of busy work. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of shifts can be alone. There's night shifts. Even at your local Walgreens, they're filling medications all night long. And she's right. I probably wouldn't have been happy with that, but I can be happy talking to a wall, so who knows. <laughs> <laughs> so So she said, I'm going to this medical school. I'm going to be one of the leaders in anatomy, which I now think she's like the head of the department. She's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. And she was like, why don't you apply there? And I did, and it was uh, it was like a dream come true. It was the only medical school I applied to, and it was the only one I got into, and I ran with it. And it's it's been a great great opportunity, and I'm super thankful for her. I've done other projects with her. We we worked once again with students uh, with uh, with the Native American tribe outside of Albuquerque. We worked with their students that were interested in healthcare, and we we went to visit them in their um, their uh, uh, tribal area. They allowed us to be there. They did some amazing things. Cooked us a meal. We went to the river with them, and then we brought them from Albuquerque to Las Cruces, mm-hmm. and we showed them the medical school and we taught them how to suture and different things. And, and she let me kind of uh, have the reins with that and um, lead that program. So yeah, those those people I could thank many more, uh, and, but now I'll stop at those. No, <laughs> but they've been good. they've been amazing. Those are definitely. Uh, and there's millions in between. My girlfriend Priscilla has been amazing. She she's been really supportive. Um, a lot of friends and family, my football coaches. There's there's a lot of good people, I would think. You. you for letting me hang out for the month. <laughs> so yeah, man, it takes a whole village. Uh, the Book of Gary. Book of Gary. <laughs> now worship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, hail <hello>, Gary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's terrible. Uh, oh. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's funny. Um, that's a South
1: Park reference for y'all that are... We talked about that episode earlier.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is a terrible episode. This is bad. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> would to South Park yesterday. Yeah, funny. yeah. Um, so uh, let's, let's talk about something that's uh, that's super relevant to us and um, that everyone it's it's on their minds and and as as a doctor in the making, yeah. I think this is something that that you you we we talk about every day because you, you mentioned it to me too that you're like well I had to do I have help this patient COVID free everything like that yeah. so um, what are your thoughts on the COVID vaccine debate and. Um, from what you've learned, what can you tell us about the vaccine for those people
1: who are kind of on the fence about yeah, it? Yeah, I think number one, it's it's people need to be vaccinated. And I'm not saying everyone. There's mm-hmm. a really, really bad thought process behind that because not everyone can get vaccinated. Algae uh-huh. that are immunocompromised cannot be, cannot right, be vaccinated. Right. Um, there's some people that even if they're vaccinated, it's still not going to help a lot because they're on drugs that don't allow them to build immunity Mm -hmm. so not everyone needs to be vaccinated but everyone that can be vaccinated should be vaccinated is the correct way to put it covid is an ugly disease um as much as they tried to keep medical students away from it they couldn't
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i've had friends that have gotten covid um i thank god knock on wood hope that's real wood um, the, that I didn't catch it this year. And I remember back in October, when we had a huge spike. I was in the COVID unit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think too much of it because I did stay home a lot. And uh, I wore really good masks when I went to clinic. I wore N95s and I would examine patients that would later come back as positive tests. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I caught it this time. And I never did. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked the COVID unit. And I, I think it became more real to me because I kept on going, like, well, maybe it's just older people. Maybe it's diabetics. Maybe it's people that are immunocompromised that are dying. And then I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. I'm not tiny. And there was a guy that was very similar to me uh, that had uh, a BMI, which is body mass index. So that means weight to height ratios in a formula that was very similar to mine, almost like a point or two off. So mm-hmm. it looked very similar to me. No other conditions. And uh, he was intubated and passed away around the same age as me. And I said, man, this is real. You know, and then the longer I was on my internal med rotation, I was like, man, we're really having these patients pass away. In fact, I was with a doctor and he would, most doctors in the hospital can have a board of anywhere from 10 to, depending on the hospital, 30 patients, 40 patients, whatever. Usually 25 is what you should be doing. Of mm-hmm. his 25 patients during that time, he would get four or five that were non-COVID and then the rest would all be COVID. So 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they were intubated or not, but it was still full. on everybody had COVID. And um, he was like, oh, I'm kind of stuck. He says, what do we do? He goes, you know, I can give you these patients. And there was two medical students, me. I was a third year and there was a fourth year with me. And he said, well, I can give you guys patients, but you're only going to get like two each. It's not a great learning opportunity. And at first he kind of let us leave early. And um, I didn't like that because I want to be learning. And he said, what do you guys think about taking COVID patients? And we were like, yeah, let's do it. And um, so he gave us patients, and he started off, and he just said, "Well, let's give you intubated where you can't go into the room."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we had patients pass away uh, throughout that um, rotation, and COVID became very, very real to me mm-hmm. when I saw that. Um, so I think, with what I've seen, with the death count that I've seen, with the with the calls that I've seen, doctors have to make to family members. I think people should just get vaccinated. But I do understand that there's hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a vaccine that's brand new is scary there's some people that don't even like getting the flu vaccine because the right. flu vaccine right. can cause Guillain-Barre where you get these nerve issues and different things um, and I understand the hesitancy and it's valid I don't want people to go like "Yeah, every doctor just says we should get it no it's valid it's concerned because it's a very fast developed thing but what people need to understand is it wasn't fast developed within one year there's been mRNA vaccines that we've worked on and I don't want to mess it up and say what the other ones are but I thought there was an Ebola one <sighs> I can't remember some other mRNAs. And yes, mRNA vaccines are a newer technology, but they're very well made. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know there was hesitancy saying, this is the first time we've really had mRNA vaccines, and the other ones are these protein capsules and different things, and you're going to get poisoned. And, but the truth is we've used them before, but they've been used for big gun situations when you need it, uh, like Ebola. There was a horrible outbreak. Ebola had a, a worse spread than COVID, and people that were around there died and got sick. Yeah. So they developed something, in emergency people that were in that area were willing to take that the hard part is is that we've heard people that have gotten sick and we've seen people get really just be fine that have sniffles of covid but then we've seen the other end of the spectrum where you hear like hey i think i heard about somebody that got really sick or and then the unlucky people have also said well i've had family members die and they get vaccinated right away and you don't want people to have family members die so it's like well hey if you can get a shot and it's free it's like hey try it a lot of the concerns are that oh it goes in my dna so let's talk about that And just cut me off forever, because I can go on this forever. No, no, no. Please. So first off, uh, mRNA vaccines, if you just know about, number one, replication cycles, translation, transcription, where things take place in the cell, it doesn't actually go in your DNA. Mm -hmm. The way that mRNA vaccines work is mRNA gets made into a protein. The protein Mm -hmm. that they use goes to the outside of our cells, so we can use it to identify. Mm -hmm. So what that means is nowhere in there did did I say or does the drug work off of mRNA going backwards and making DNA. Mm -hmm. You would need a reverse transcriptase for that, like HIV. That's why HIV is kind of dangerous. It goes backwards and starts off as RNA, becomes DNA, and gets incorporated into your DNA. This doesn't do that. This creates, it goes mRNA, it, trans, trans, uh, it transcribes it, translates it to, to proteins, and um, those are made into to parts of your cell that are going to be used for identification. After that's done, they're eaten up and they're destroyed. And then every time your cell divides, it stays on the outside. That's why you need boosters for it. So there, there's that thing. And I I was, I got sent an email. It was really, really well made. And it was made out of the mail Clinic. And I think the doctor's name was Dr. Gregory Poland. And one of his things he said is that a lot of the issues right now is, of course, human behavior. Um, he called it cultru- cultural narcissism. The me, not we, which I thought was amazing. I mean, I mean, yeah. And, and uh, what he said... Um, What he said was that really you have three decisions when it comes to the vaccine. Either you get the COVID infection and maybe you fare well, maybe it fares really, really poorly. You get the COVID vaccination or you choose isolation. Those are your three things. Mm -hmm. Well, people aren't isolating. So unless they really are, which is good and they don't want the vaccine, then fine isolate and keep yourself safe from people and also keep yourself safe. So you don't spread it. Um, But you're either going to get it or you need to be vaccinated at the rate that we're going at. And, uh, I think that's super important. And the data, there's huge, huge data that shows its support. Just for our age group, and I'm, I'm older, so for the 30 to 39 age group, um, for hospitalizations, you are two times as likely if you're unvaccinated to be hospitalized. And you are 10 times, I'm sorry, nope, for us it is only, it's still two times for hospitalizations, but it's four times as likely of death. So if you tell me that I'm four times more likely because I didn't get a shot in my arm, that that right there would change me to want to get it. But that's me. You don't have to do it. Yeah. By the time you get to, let's say, our parents' ages 50 to 64, if you are unvaccinated, you're six times more likely to get sick and you are 95 more times likely to die. Oh, man. And if you put it towards our great-grandparents' age or grandparents, you are from 75 to 84 You are nine times more likely to be hospitalized and 230 times at risk of death. And once you're above 85, it goes to 600 times the amount of death. So really, to me, I'm like, well, hey, if I have the choice to keep myself protected and the choice to keep my grandparents protected, then I'm going to take it. Right. So when people talk about it, I say, what are your hesitancies? Because this happens in the office and they're like, well, I, it's going in my DNA. So I t- we talk about that. <laughs> well, I just don't know. The data shows this. And there are percentages and you can look at how many cases of people got the nervous issues that we talk about. And they're very, very tiny. And I'm sure there's somewhere within this PowerPoint and I could fish it out. But it's not, if it was a 1% chance, I'd say, oh, heck no, I'm not taking that. That's one out of 99. Like I'm going to know someone that gets a, a horrible, a horrible course. But in all actuality, you're going to be way more likely to know people that got COVID and had some bad things happen. And what we're seeing, and I've seen it firsthand, and it's not people who are COVID positive, but it's the reactions of what happens after COVID. Mm. There's issues called long hauler syndrome. If you're a high school athlete and you get long haulers, it's going to be hard to run during football season. It's going to be hard to be in basketball or volleyball. Um, We're seeing people, young people that get um, inflammation around their heart, myocarditis, pericarditis. It's like to me... I wouldn't want any of those. They're painful. It hurts. Uh, they're not the craziest to treat, but why would you ever want those symptoms? Right. So to me, we talk about these things. Um, very safe in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Johnson & Johnson, I think, had six cases with pregnant women, but it was out of like, I think it was like a million people. So rightfully so, it got pulled, but it still wasn't the hugest amount. Um, but other than that, they've been safe in pregnancy. Now we're starting to see them safe up to 12 years old as far as Moderna and Pfizer go. And uh, I don't know. I really do support it. But I can understand people having hesitancy. But I think it's important to talk to people about it. Yeah. And go, what are you hesitant about? Yeah. And... And... Um, if it's political party, both political parties have been very, very well vaccinated. Right. And uh, some of the political parties you didn't think would be vaccinated were some of the first <laughs> ones to get <laughs> vaccinated. Ironically. <laughs> Ironically. Uh,
0: but, uh, yeah, yeah. So I
1: say, I say get it. Um, if people have questions, if I had a ton of time and I wasn't in interview and application season, I'd be willing to reach out individually. Um, I've reached out to a lot of family members that are hesitant and, and talk to them. But if you have someone in the middle of the fence, you can, you can show them, you can bring up studies, you can talk about things like that. And some people aren't going to do it, and that's okay. But the, the game plan is to get a lot of people vaccinated so you don't have to go through it, so you're not a spreader of it. And um, they've shown pretty well against even the other variants. So the last thing I would say is if you are vaccinated and people go, well, why do I get sick if I'm vaccinated? Well, because you can still get sick with the flu when you're vaccinated, but you might not have this bigger reaction. Right. And that's the same thing when it comes to COVID. I'm sure I saw on Facebook people, and I loved it. Like people are sharing this picture that says person that's vaccinated with, with COVID, and it shows their lungs pretty clear. No haziness, no really this, this just effusion throughout the lungs or um, opacities. But on the other side, it shows people that are not vaccinated, and it's just a horrible clinical right. picture. Right. So you might get sick. You might get sniffles. You might get a cough. Um, You could still be hospitalized, yes. But for the most part, and even in the the PowerPoint I was looking at, there's been really hardly any deaths. At one point, when the first studies came out, it was like zero deaths. I don't know what the numbers are now. I should probably know that. But um, sticking the arm for me to be safer and to not give it to other patients, give it to my older patients that are more susceptible, give it to my immunocompromised patients that are more susceptible, I'll take it. And I was one of the first ones in line, so I'm a little bit biased. But I do advise patients to take the vaccine.
0: Well, there you go, folks. Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So, no, Long winded, but it's, no, so, no, impo- no, no, it's no. so important. It it's it, it, exactly like you said, it's so important that people get this information and you know, it's something that you've been studying personally and um, have learned about. So I thought, you know, it'd be important to discuss, you know. Oh, of course. Um, so on a final note, do you wanna give any other shout outs to anybody? Do you, is there anything that you wanna
1: um plug promote or plug promote i wish i had businesses i have none (laughs) (laughs) but but no um just uh just uh thank you to Texan and family for letting me be out here for rotation thank you to you for being so hospitable and having fun with me And, and to everyone that's been so supportive this is a real i've never been on a podcast so this is really big this is cool and uh, even if it's just us two that listen to it, I'll be so excited I, to listen yeah, to it. There'll be some more, right? I guarantee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, um, mm-hmm. but it, was, it was exciting. And um, shout outs to my medical school, my buddies that are all doing their applications, and to your friends that I've met out here that are doing the PhD programs and everything, uh, best of luck to everyone. And it's been good, man. Yeah, it's been fun. So I appreciate it. I, and... Uh, Thank you. Oh, thank you for being so, a guest on Academics on Amigos, Gary. Yeah, for sure. My man. <laughs> that was a fist bump if you couldn't hear it.
0: <laughs> thank you again to Gary DeLeon for being a guest on this week's Academics and Amigos. Gary, you're an amazing person and a fantastic roommate. Just wanted to let you know. For more on Academics on Amigos, be sure to follow us and check out our new website at www.academicsandamigos.com. There you can check out past episodes and current episodes as well. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode was hosted, produced by Anthony Ramirez. Until next time, my friends. Hasta luego. Be cool. Stay awesome.